Christianity is not just words on a page or doctrines that we believe. It is that. It is precious words, God's words in the scriptures. It is that, and it is powerful doctrines that we trust and and cling to. So it is that. But it's not just that. Christianity is more. Christianity is about actually knowing God. Knowing God as he has revealed himself through Jesus and recorded perfectly in the pages of Scripture. That's what Christianity is. Knowing God through Jesus. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of God the Father's glory. That word glory means beauty, majesty, magnificence. So Jesus is the the radiance, the shining forth of God's glory, majesty, beauty. And the Bible teaches that every follower of Jesus, as we seek his face, as we open up the scriptures, and seek him, every follower of Jesus will have times when we so powerfully see and experience Jesus' glory shining through the words of Scripture that we will be overflowing with joy. Every believer will have times when we experience that. Let me give you an example. One of my heroes is Jonathan Edwards, lived in the 18th century, American pastor, theologian, author, missionary to the American Indians. Here's what he wrote in his journal about what happens to him one day. Let this whet your appetite for what God can do. He said, as I was walking and praying in the woods, I felt in my heart the glory of Jesus, the Son of God as mediator between God and man. And I felt his grace and love, which are wonderful, great, full, pure, and sweet. Christ was so glorious that he swallowed up all other thoughts and left me weeping with a flood of tears for what was probably an hour. All I wanted was to know Christ, to love him with a holy love, trust him and serve him with perfect purity. Now, none of us are going to have that exact same experience. But when you turn to Christ, if you haven't already turned to Christ, when you do turn to Christ, and those of us who are trusting Christ, we will have times in our lives when, as I said earlier, we open up the scriptures, we, we see the truth of, of God being, as we sing the lyrics of songs, through God's words we behold, see, feel, taste, experience the glory of God shining through the person of Jesus Christ, and we are filled. We are strengthened. We are comforted. We are met. That's what Christianity is all about. And that's what I'm praying God will do this afternoon through Luke chapter 22, verses 47 through 62. I'm praying 
that God will use this passage to give every heart here tonight a, a taste, a sight, an experience of God's glory shining through the scriptures, revealing Christ to us. So turn to Luke 22, verses 47 through 62. Here's the setting of this passage. It's Thursday night. The night Jesus will be betrayed and arrested the night before Jesus is crucified. He has celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, the twelve, and then he leads them up to the Mount of Olives where he goes apart by himself as Joe preached so powerfully about this last weekend. He goes to pray by himself and pours his soul out before the Father. And God meets him and strengthens him powerfully. And then Jesus urges the disciples that they need to pray so that they will escape temptation. And he's urging them repeatedly, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And while he's speaking, something happens. Verse 47. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him, Jesus, saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? While I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he, Peter, denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly, this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean, probably hearing his accent. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, 
how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, Peter, you will deny me three times. And he, Peter, went out and wept bitterly. This passage is just shining with Jesus' glory. And I want to share with you four ways that that I especially saw and was impacted by. Four ways we can see Jesus' glory shining forth from this passage. First, we see his glory displayed in the way Jesus knows exactly who he is. That's in verses 47 to 48. Let's read those verses again. Verse 47, while he was still speaking to his disciples, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? Now notice that Jesus calls himself the son of man. And when Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, he's referring to what the prophet Daniel wrote 600 years earlier, the Old Testament book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Let's look at what Daniel wrote about the son of man. So Daniel 7, 13 and 14, here's what we read. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, to God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is a prophecy about the Messiah. Whole Testament's pointing towards the coming of the Messiah. This is another prophecy about the Messiah. It's saying that the Messiah will be like a son of man. He will be fully human. He will come on the clouds and be presented to the ancient of days, to God the Father. And he will be given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. All the peoples and nations and languages will be under his rule and authority forever. This is the Messiah. So when Jesus says that he's the Son of Man, which he often does, part of what he's saying is that Daniel 7, 13 through 14, describes him. What happens in Daniel 7, 13 through 14 will happen to him. And it does. Jesus is crucified and resurrected. And then he ascends into heaven through the clouds to God the Father, the Ancient of Days. And the Father gives him dominion and glory and a kingdom, everlasting kingdom with authority over all peoples, languages, nations, all of humanity forever. Daniel 7, 13 through 14. And so 
When you understand that, this helps us understand what Jesus is saying to Judas. Here's Judas. Think about him. One of Jesus' closest disciples, one of the 12, been together for three years. And he's leading a crowd of religious, political, military leaders with clubs and swords so that they can arrest Jesus with the plan of having him be killed. And Judas is going to show them who Jesus is. I mean, it's dark. Don't want to make any mistakes here. Here's the sign they had agreed upon. It's the one I will kiss both sides of the cheek. That's the one who Jesus is. I will betray him to you. And so Jesus sees the crowd coming. And he sees that it's led by Judas. And of course, Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen here. And he says, Judas, would you betray the son of man? Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? He's saying, Judas, I am the son of man described in Daniel chapter 7. Judas, I will be crucified and rise from the dead and ascend through the clouds to the ancient of days. I will be given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and I'm going to be ruling over all of humanity forever. Judas, I know who I am. Judas, you know who I am. Will you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? See, what Judas does in betraying Jesus is not a problem for Jesus. It's all going exactly according to plan. Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do. But what Judas does in betraying Jesus is a massive problem for Judas. So see the glory of Jesus here in this passage. No matter the the crowd that's there, no matter the swords, the clubs, the military leaders, the political leaders, the religious leaders, this whole crowd being led by one of his disciples, Jesus knows it's all going according to plan. He's the son of man. This is what he and the father have planned from eternity past. See the glory of Jesus. He knows exactly who he is. He's the picture here, as he always is, of strength, of absolute rock-solid confidence, of peace. Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? See the glory of Jesus shining in the way he knows exactly who he is. And understand, every time you turn to your Jesus, that's what you see. That's what you'll experience. Strength, peace, authority, sovereignty. He's never flustered. He's never worried. He's never nervous. This is our Jesus. He knows exactly who he is. That's the first picture of Jesus' glory. Second, we can see his glory in the way that Jesus shows mercy to his enemy. Verses 49 through 51 is where I see that. 
Jesus had told his disciples that hard times were coming. He told them they needed to prepare themselves spiritually. He talked about swords, but using it figuratively. Be ready for spiritual warfare is what he was talking about. Now here comes Judas, remember, leading a crowd, clubs and swords, to arrest Jesus so that he would be killed. Verse 49, when those who were around Jesus saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So once again, the disciples had misunderstood Jesus. This happens a lot in the Gospels. Even though Jesus had told them again and again and again, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I will rise again. He told them that again and again and again. They didn't get it. They didn't get it then. They didn't get it now. So they asked Jesus, time to pull out the swords? And from John's gospel, we know that it was Peter who pulled out his sword and cut off the right ear of one of the high priest's servants. So what does Jesus do? Verse 51, Jesus said, no more of this. Put them away. And he touched his ear and healed him. Oh, I want you to feel the glory of this. This crowd is there, including this one servant, to arrest Jesus so he can be killed. Peter cuts off the ear of the servant. Jesus steps in and heals this man's ear. And I think about this. Think about who Jesus is. This is God in the flesh there at that moment. All things had been created through him. Jesus, all things have been created through him and for him. Fully God in the flesh. His miracles, his teaching, just who he was made that clear. So it was the servant's sin that kept him from seeing that. It was the servant's sin that kept him from bending the knee, trusting Jesus as his Savior and Lord and treasure. It was the servant's sin that made him come out, being part of this crowd, to arrest Jesus so he could be killed. And yet, when his ear gets cut off, Jesus, God in the flesh, God in the flesh, heals this sinful servant's ear. What the servant deserves is punishment forever. That's what he deserves. But Jesus gives him mercy. Mercy. Now, this man is not saved yet, this servant. He needs to turn from his sin and, and surrender his life to Jesus, trust Jesus, receive all that Jesus will be to him. And maybe he does that. Maybe we'll see him in heaven. But what we see at this point is that when Jesus, who is fully God, the Son of Man, heals his ear, we see that the glory of undeserved mercy, breathtaking mercy, shocking mercy. <gasps> you healed him? Are you kidding me? 
glory shining forth. This is God in the flesh. Just like John 1.14, the word Jesus became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Glory of God's mercy shining forth from Jesus' action of healing his ear. Jesus shows mercy to his enemy. You maybe feel like you've been Jesus' enemy all your life. Maybe for years you've been turning your heart from God, from Jesus. God's the Savior that God has sent. But Jesus will have mercy upon you. He loves to show mercy. He would rather show mercy than judgment. Delights in mercy. Turn to him. Turn to him right now, tonight. Trust him. Trust him. You will receive mercy. It's like we sang tonight, all your mercy rushing through me. That will be your experience tonight. That's the second glimpse of Jesus' glory. He shows mercy to his enemy. Third, this is powerful. We can see his glory in the way Jesus is fearless before evil. Verses 52 to 53. Let's read those verses again. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Now notice how in verse 52, Luke emphasizes all the authorities that are there against Jesus to arrest him. Chief priests and officers of the temple and the elders. They are all there. It's late at night. And they got their swords and their clubs. You got to feel what's going on here. This is a crowd, swords, clubs, late at night, darkness. And Jesus says, why swords and clubs late at night? Every day you've seen me teaching in the temple in broad daylight. Then he says, here's why you're doing this. What you're doing now is so evil. It has to be done with violence and under cover of darkness. That's why you're doing this. It is that evil. But then Jesus says something amazing. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. He's not saying you got 60, seconds, 60 minutes. It's not his point. But his point is that their evil, as wicked as it is, will only last a short time, a short time. You've got a short time to do your evil. Go ahead. See, from eternity past, God the Father and Jesus the Son had granted, planned a, a short time for this evil to take place. It's all planned. Jesus knows exactly what's going on, what's going to happen. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is your hour. You've got just a short time, and that's all you've got for your evil. Jesus, you can just see him, he's fearless before their evil. Yes, it's dark. Yes, you've got swords and clubs. 
He's fearless before their evil because he knows that their evil is temporary. It's his reign that will last forever as the son of man, not theirs. They're the ones who are in trouble, not him, unless they repent. So he's fearless before their evil. See his glory. Ugly clubs and swords, crowd, midnight evil coming towards him. This is your hour. You got that much time for your evil. Bring it on. When you're facing evil and you turn to your Jesus, he's fearless. He's fearless. He's not worried. He's in complete control. He will help you. This is our Savior. This is our Jesus. See his glory. Mm. Okay, one more. Fourth, we can see his glory in the way that Jesus loves and forgives Peter. Oh, this is amazing, church. Here's the background. Earlier that evening, Jesus told Peter that before the rooster crows, Peter's going to deny Jesus three times. Peter did not take him seriously. Peter thought he was stronger spiritually than he was. Peter says, I'll go to prison with you. I'll, I'll die with you, Jesus. Stop that foolish talk. So here we are a few hours later and what happens? Verses 54 to 62. Then they, the crowd with clubs and swords, seized him, Jesus, and led him away bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. One time, first time. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Peter said, man, I am not. Second time. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean, probably because of his distinct accent. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, immediately, just as Jesus said, while Peter was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, Peter did show a little courage, right? He was the only disciple who followed Jesus. Didn't have a lot of courage. He followed at a distance. Okay. And when he starts to be questioned, even that little bit of courage disappeared, dissolved. He starts fearing for his life. And so he ends up publicly denying his Savior, his Lord, his Jesus, denying him. I mean, think about it. Peter 
denied Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Peter denied Jesus Christ, the Son of Man from Daniel 7. He denied Jesus Christ, God's Messiah. He denied him loudly, passionately, confidently, publicly, repeatedly denied him. And Jesus had every reason at this point to just turn his back on Peter, reject him. That's not what happened. While Peter was speaking that third denial, the rooster crowed. And Jesus turned to Peter and looked at him. And what do you think was in his look? I mean, we could speculate, but let's just stick with the scriptures. I think the scriptures give us enough evidence to know. Two chapters later in Luke, we see that after Jesus rose, he intentionally went first to whom? Peter. Peter. Jesus rose from the dead. Where's Peter? Got to meet Peter. And in John's gospel, we read the whole story about how Jesus forgives him and restores him. So Jesus forgives Peter for publicly, loudly, repeatedly denying Christ. We have to ask, how is that possible? How is that possible? Do you feel the, the wickedness of what Peter did? The dishonor that came to Christ through what Peter did. How can that be forgiven? And there's only one way. It's that Jesus himself was punished for Peter's sin. Jesus himself was punished for Peter's sin. This is, this is the heart of the cross, the gospel, your salvation. Oh, we have to understand this. Jesus himself bore the punishment that Peter deserved for his sin. See, on the cross, Jesus was being punished for the sins of everyone who will trust him. He was punished for all the sins of everyone who will turn and trust him. So because Peter would turn to Jesus with humble confession and repentance and trust, his denying of Christ was paid for, and all of Peter's sins, past, present, and future, were paid for on the cross, completely paid for, so that they could be completely forgiven because they were paid for. So because of the fact that Jesus first searched out Peter, and then in John we read that he loved and forgave Peter, I believe that the look that was in Jesus' eye when, when he, he turned, and I, I don't think I can... The, I can never do it justice, but it was love, care, concern. I, 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 there was a twinge of sorrow, I'm sure, because it grieved Jesus, what Peter had done. 
but mostly what was in his heart was love. Peter. Oh, Peter. Peter. I love you, Peter. Mm. Powerful. And when Peter saw Jesus look, he remembered. He saw what he had done. And he went out and wept bitterly. He wasn't weeping bitterly because he was feeling hopeless, I don't think. He'd heard Jesus teach. He had just seen Jesus love. He was bitter because of the dishonor he had brought to his Savior. The dishonor he'd brought to his Lord. The dishonor he had brought to his God. He wept bitterly, not because he was hopeless, but because he had a broken and a contrite heart over his sin. And this shows us Jesus' glory. Do you see it? Can you feel it? The reason Jesus could love and forgive Peter was because Jesus was punished for Peter's sin on the cross. That's why. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, who was fully God, the God-man, who was the Son of Man of Daniel chapter 7, Jesus would be punished for Peter's sin on the cross. That's why Jesus could love and forgive Peter. And that's why Jesus can love and forgive you. That's why. So, see Jesus' glory. May God use my weak words here just to, oh, to help you to see the glory of Jesus Christ. See his glory. See his glory in the way that he knows exactly who he is. See his glory in the way that he shows mercy to his enemy. Mercy heals this man's ear. See his glory in the way that he is fearless before evil. And see his glory in the way that he loves and forgives Peter. See his glory and trust him. Love him. Follow him. Worship him. Let's stand. I want to pray. We worship you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, the radiance of your glory shining in Christ. We love your glory. Thank you for showing us the glory of your Son and the faith that that brings, the strength that that gives, the hope that that produces. I pray, Lord, for people here right now who have never bent the knee before Jesus Christ and received Christ as their Savior, their Lord, their treasure. Lord, right now, grant them eyes to see, ears to hear. Show them your glory, Lord. Melt their hearts of stone and bring salvation right now. And Lord, for those of us who are trusting Christ, enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we would see more, feel more, and as a result, trust and love and follow and worship more. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.